Hello, welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things for One Life Church, but ultimately, things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman. I'm one of your co-hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by our co-host of the podcast and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Hey, Sarah. Life has gotten a little weirder since we even last talked, I think. So, yeah, yeah, it's and that's one of the reasons we're here today with our guests. We want to have some, some conversation and... Ultimately, we talked about that last time, is being able to just have conversation. Um, a lot of times is a good place for us to start, and that's what we want to do here, is continue to be able to tell stories. And actually, um, we're filming again. We're, we're videoing the podcast again. This is actually our first time in a while. We used to, uh, to video them all. Um, and we're, we're back in our studio and, and trying a few things here. And so I want to introduce our guest today. We have LaVon Dozier here. LaVon, Hello. thanks so much for joining us, first of all. My pleasure. Yeah, and we would love to honestly just start out getting to little, getting to know a little bit about you, um, and then Brett, I'll kind of let you kind of talk about what we're going to be planning to do with the podcast for the next few weeks. So, Levon, tell us a little bit about you. Well, uh, my name is Levon Dozier. Um, I'm the husband of Shanice Dozier, father of four beautiful children: Michael, Clara, Lanice, and Amora. Uh, I'm a pastor here locally in Evansville, as well as in the Cincinnati Metroplex. Mm. Uh, I'm the senior leader of the Rock Global Outreach Ministries, a ministry that we, me and my wife planted in 2006. And uh, here we are almost 14 years later and um, been able to do some wonderful things. Um, I was born here in Evansville, but raised in Clarksville, Tennessee. Really? So, uh, but I've, I've been, I've been back since I was 18 and, um, that was the year that I gave my heart to Jesus, mm-hmm. preached my first sermon at 19 and, uh, was an associate of my father-in-law, Dr. Uh, William Simmons. Uh, he pr- pastors a church here locally and, uh, I was associate with him for 10 years before the Lord called us to start our own ministry. So, um, you know, just I've always had a burden for um, justice ministry, uh, social ministry, um, but just a, a burden for people. You know, I, I truly believe that um, God has a purpose and plan for each and every one of us. And if I can help assist in us finding that out, you know, I'm all for it. So glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And Levon and I have already bonded over talking about video games before right. we started recording. So I know I watched there. it happen and yeah. I felt so left out. <laughs> left I was like, out. man, I got to get back into that. Someday, Brett. Speaking of well, language, I was going to bring up Pat. Pac-Man or something, maybe that you remember. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, do you remember Pac-Man? Yeah, which right. I do. Yeah. I remember Asteroids, which yeah, is even Asteroid. before that. Yeah. That was oh, my gosh. first one. Right. I, no, I'll even take it further back. I remember Pong, which was yes. the original video game, and I remember the rich kids that we knew had Pong, and it was the thing back and forth right. back right. in the 70s with the big Atari unit. Yeah. I was there. I saw it <laughs> in person. That lets you know how old I am, okay? I, I was there. I'm just glad I First didn't have person. to make the joke on you today. So <laughs> yeah, I know that's on. right. It yeah. was it was set up. You got yeah. it right there. So, um, well, what we're doing, and and those of you at One Life, and those of you outside, um, in light of so much that's been going on, and even prior to that, uh, all the racial tension and conflict and uh, that has been going on in our country, and, and right now as we speak, uh, just with George Floyd being killed and everybody reacting, now it's worldwide demonstrations right. are going on. I mean, this that's what's blowing my mind. Right. Uh, 
that in my lifetime that I was around, <laughs> I've been around for a lot of things, but mm-hmm. I do remember the Rodney King, but that was kind of uh, still kind of focused in on LA. Right. And now it's spreading around all the different cities and we're in a very unprecedented time. And so as we were praying about this and I was praying about it last fall, uh, we got to talk to Pastor Keith Patterson here in the area. And then when all this kind of flared up, uh, we're really seeking and the, the, the guidance I felt like the Lord gave me was um, Philippians 1.9 is uh, Paul prays for the church and he says, I want your love. I'm praying that your love grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And I thought that's exactly what we need. We need knowledge. We need depth of insight in our love because we all want to love and we're inspired to love. And, and I remember there was, a, there was a pastor that prayed in the same meeting. He said, I, I pray not to just be understood, but I pray to understand. Right. And so the goal of uh, the series that we're going to be doing over the next however long mm-hmm. uh, is, is to understand uh, where people of color are trying to, from their seat, what does it look like? Because in our church anyway, we're high percentage uh, white mm-hmm. and there's just things we don't get. And I think there's things that we have not heard before mm-hmm. that we need to hear. And so that's why uh, LaVon's here. And uh, as our first, uh, you know, maiden voyage guy, that's going <laughs> to, and hopefully if it goes well, you know, right. we might do another one. <laughs> right, right. No, but uh, we want to give you the floor and just kind of just ask you and, and we <clears throat> want to listen. So that's mm-hmm. the challenge. Awesome. Yeah, so I guess we'd start out maybe um, we learned a little bit about you, but is there any part of your story um, that you'd be able to share with us? And again, like I was thinking this week, you know, that, you know, I love what I get to do. I get to be a storyteller. Um, And in this instance, I don't have that story to share. I mean, but I want to learn more. And and so we'd love to just listen and hear some things from you. So first off, is there anything from your personal story that you could share with us? Uh, Sure. I mean, um, you know, there, there could be several, um, just to sum it up, I'll try to remember the very first time that I had an experience, uh, with racism that I can remember. I think at the earliest age, I had to be between eight and 10, okay, eight and 10, somewhere in there. Um, even though we were raised in Clarksville, we would stay the summer here in Evansville with my grandmother and she lived on the east side of Evansville, um, Back then, it was called Covert Village, but it's called the the Arbors. That's next mm-hmm. next to the. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I used to live in Covert Village. Village. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Savannah Gardens, and right? Yeah. back in the day, right. way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she lived there, and we would come and stay in the summers, and you know we would ride our bike, a kid, and their bike it was endless where you could go, and so you know we would ride our bikes all over, and I remember us riding our bikes over on Pollock area kind of down by the levee and uh you know uh we weren't doing anything just riding our bikes you know but you know we were all african-american kids uh, and it was me and two other friends um they were brothers Mm -hmm. all right robert and marco was their name and we would ride our bikes all over all over the east side all over town and uh we were riding down pollock near towards where the levee is and there were some guys that, you know, had the appearance of like uh, skinheads mm. and they begin to, you know, yell out these racial slurs and begin actually chase us. So, you know, we're hightailing it, uh, you know, back to to where we lived in Culver Village. But that's probably my first experience that I can remember. Um, but as you grow older, um, you know, you can you start picking up the microaggressions of of just racial interactions and uh my my first fight 
because of something racial uh, was sixth grade. I remember um, in Clarksville, we had relocated from downtown Clarksville to a suburb of Clarksville, which is Cunningham, Cunningham, Tennessee. And um, I was a new kid, new area. The area we were in was predominantly white. The school was predominantly white. And uh, for very first day of school, okay, very first day of school, in, in uh, it was during gym period. And uh, this kid, unprovoked, I know, because I was, you know, more introverted then, you know, very quiet, laid back, didn't know anybody yet. And, uh, you know, he calls me the N-word. And, you know, we got into a fight. Um, so, you know, it's, it's things like that that, you know, you experience. And, you know, uh, most African-Americans or African-American males have experienced that on some level and some more than others. Um, but, yeah, definitely many situations even after that, which, you know, time will not allow us to get into. But um, even now, as a middle-aged man, still being being able to pick up the microaggressions of racism one thing and i'll just say this and then you know we can move on but uh, just even a month ago okay we have a kroger's in our in our neighborhood where we live there in burlington kentucky and you know most most restaurant uh, excuse me stores have the self-checkout grocery stores have a self-checkout and kroger's is one of those stores has a self-checkout uh, and so you know, I see this couple, all right, they're Caucasian. Now, if I was to judge them, they would look questionable, right? If I was to look at them and judge them, they would look questionable, all right? Questionable in what sense? I apologize. All right. It's, okay, doing ministry and outreach ministry, you you work with people who have drug addictions. Right, okay. Right, there's certain characteristics. Um as we, we may know people who have meth addiction, they right. have meth mouth and mm. different things in certain ways that they carry themselves, different movements. Gotcha. So it's a male and female. They're at the self-checkout and they're kind of shifty. I'm, I catch it, you know, but I'm just in there to get maybe some coffee and, you know, to head out. All right. So I'm stepping to, to my, my place to check out. All of a sudden, a guy, clerk comes out of nowhere stands right next to my checkout right here. He's like, let me know he's right there watching me. And I'm dressed like this, nothing. And you see all these other people around me. The only thing that they have in common is that they're a lighter shade. The only difference rather I would say is that they're a lighter shade than me. But he's standing right here, Caucasian gentleman standing right in front of me, watching me check out. And so, as an African-American male, you pick up these, my, what, we, what I call microaggressions yeah. of, of racism, but you, you learn to adapt to it. It's like, it's right. part of it, you walk into a grocery store, or department store, and you, know, you get somebody that's walking, you know, and that's following you, watching you. You learn that, and it's just like, okay, this part of it, and either you can respond emotionally or aggressively, or you're like, okay, this is just how things are, I'm not going to let it get to me. I'm going to do what I came in here to do, go on about my day. I'm not going to let it ruin my day. Right. But that's more common than not. And so that lets us know that there's something embedded within the culture that needs to be be addressed. Now, let me take you back to you when you're when you're a kid. You had that first experience. Right. 
did you go into that where you like most kids and you were just naive to the existence of that sort of thing and it really perplexed you or was it something you had been warned about and cautioned you just hadn't seen it yet? Uh, every African-American parent uh, has some talk on some level with their children about race, racism and, and uh, knowing what to watch out for, making sure that you're aware of your surroundings. Uh, I can't remember if I had that talk or not, but I was aware that racism was a thing. But the the, the thing that I, I will say the emotion that I had more than anything was fear. Hmm. You know, because these guys are coming after us. I'm like, okay, our lives are in danger. Yeah. Right. You know, so it wasn't so much anger uh, as as much as it was fear at that age. But as I begin to grow older and become self-aware, um, you know, that's where you have to you have to deal with the emotions of anger, because most black black people, African-American people have to you know, there's there's two places of tension. OK, the the the, the first place where they recognize that they're black and then the second place of tension when they recognize that it's a problem with some mm. people. And so you're in that place of tension. And as you grow as a as an adult and and, and you, you start figuring out things in the world you know it's it's knowing how to emotionally deal with that and control that so yeah it wasn't it wasn't confusion as much as it was fear because i was aware that racism was a thing at that age yeah mm -hmm. uh then as these things continue to pick up pace uh, did you find yourself shifting from fear to anger? You obviously got in a fight. So, mm -hmm. are, are, was your was the inside of you starting to feel more anger? Just as a kind of this is how I've settled into this, right? It, you know, I've shared uh, before with with different people that if it wasn't for the grace of God, I could have been one of those guys that was militant, you oh. know, and. <laughs> more on the black supremacy side of things, you know, right. just because of the experiences, because it's like, okay, you start feeling you, you, when you're living under this pressure and it's, it feels like a constant threat, people feel like they got to fight back. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you get to that place where, okay, you're, you're trying to reconcile these things and you only have a limited, uh, uh, amount of, coping mechanisms right uh, not only that you, you know you, you each individual depending on their home situation which you know my home situation wasn't the best during those times and 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 then just with the the uh, being in that place being an adolescent being a teenager where you're still not fully developed right <laughs> you're still right. trying to process things out you're still trying to come to grips of you know the fact that why is hair growing under my arms now you know it's you're dealing with all these different things and now you've got this social dynamic that you're trying to process and then you may be surrounded by people who are not making it any better you know they're feeding yeah. that fear they're feeding that anger so um yeah you know you just get to that place where you're, you're trying to you're trying to figure things out uh, but thank God that I had some people who were able to show, you know, I had white friends and their families, Caucasian, I don't, I don't even like using white and black, you know, because 
you don't look like that paper. I don't look like that notebook. <laughs> you know, we're actually more in common, you know. I sometimes do. I could use some sun. Okay, all right. <laughs> but, you know, I had some Caucasian people in my, fam in, in my life that they actually modeled that love, you know, yeah. um, and that, that value. So even when I wanted to go in that direction, I'm like, you know what? I can't because I'm seeing that not everyone's this way. Okay. So there were, there were at least relationships that offset some of those tendencies. Right. And that was even before coming to Christ. Is that before coming fair to, to Christ? Say? Okay. That's... Yeah. I didn't come to Christ till I was 18. Right. And, and how were those people, what, what did they do uh, that was different from what you had seen? I mean, it sounds like a simple question, but right. I, I am curious. Right. Uh, well, um, one, one, one of my best friends growing up, his name was Brian. Brian McCord and um he you know he knew my family situation you know my my stepfather was very abusive to my mother okay verbally and emotionally abusive to us so there were times that I wanted to get away from the home life so I would spend a night over over his house and so uh his mother beautiful woman um just a great heart great spirit uh begin to ask me some questions and come to find out about my life, you know, about my home situation. And I mean, just, just model love. And she said, you're welcome to come here anytime you feel like you need to get away. Mm. And, um, so it was just that her, first of all, just hearing me, yeah. you know, and, and didn't treat me any different than her own son. So, you know, there was nothing, you know, from that family that I felt like, okay, you know, uh, they don't, they, they don't, they're, they're not holding something against me because of something I can't control, which is right. the amount of melanin I have in my skin, you know? And so that, that was one of the things that helped keep me tethered to, um, a certain level of grace and not allowing the bad experiences to pull me into a darker place of bitter, bitterness and resentment and being militant and all those different things, which, you know, I know people who are there and have been there and, um, it's not a, right. it's not a fun place to be. Yeah. And it's not hard to understand though, how you would arrive there if right. you just kind of following your natural instincts. Or right. Whatever. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'd love to, to talk, obviously, I mean, your perspective as a pastor, you know, and, right. and being able to, um, to talk to people with a mindset of, of the gospel. Right. Um, I know that's a passion of yours and mm -hmm. obviously, you know, being able to talk about that and, and I asked you before we came on and I'd love to ask you again to just kind of talk about it again, what questions as we're processing a lot and I want to talk specifically about um, George Floyd after this question, but, right. but what questions do you wish people were asking? like right now, um, because that's something that I keep saying, what, what do I need to be asking? People keep saying, what can I do? What do I need mm -hmm. to be doing? What questions do you wish people were asking? Well, the main question that I, I think that I would like to hear people ask is how can I disarm the suspicion between blacks and whites? Okay. Because there is a suspicion, there are assumptions because of a broader narrative and broader experience. And so, uh, we, we, we have to ask that question because if we are going to truly move towards reconciliation and harmony and oneness in every sense of the word, as God defines it, there has to be that foundation of trust established. 
because, you know, if I was to be transparent, I still struggle with, is this person really genuine mm. or is this just to knock something off their, 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 uh, it's a notch to mark off to say, Hey, you know, I've, I've done this to appease my conscience, sure. you know, or to prove that I'm not prejudiced or I'm not a racist. You know, there has to be that genuine connection, that genuine relationship and truly empathizing with one another that moves us towards advocacy collectively against injustice in any form. All right. But the context that we're talking about is, you know, the injustices, you know, according, you know, as it relates to African-Americans. But how can we disarm the suspicion? Because as long as that suspicion is there, the distrust is there. As long as that distrust is there, we're not going to have the real mm -hmm. conversations that are uncomfortable to right. talk about and to deal with aspects of our history that are painful and uncomfortable to, in order to move towards um, that reconciliation and then understanding how valuable that reconciliation is. If we don't value true reconciliation, we won't pay the price to achieve it. And sometimes um, to to come out of pain, sometimes you got to go into it hmm. and being being able to rehearse our experiences, being able to rehearse uh, the history so that we can learn from it. So we don't repeat it. Um, I believe that what we're seeing right now. OK, I'm against, of course, I'm against looting and, and rioting. OK, but what we are seeing is. We're seeing America at a place where over 50% of our nation is unchurched. Mm. So there's already a shaky more foundation, but bedded within humanity is the ability to recognize certain injustices and not having that discipline of a moral framework. We have anarchy. And so how does the church yeah. respond to that? So we have to have that conversation of um disarming the suspicion first before there can because we can't we can no longer placate one another okay there can be no longer placating it has to be true conversation that moves outside of the realm of empathy to advocacy mm. I lo and i love That's that huge. that that line and and i guess I think everybody, you know, they start by saying, I have a heart for this. Right. It's in me. I, I don't want this to go on. I don't believe this way. Right. I, but uh, everybody's kind of stuck on, okay, what do I do mm -hmm. as a step and, and move from empathy? Because you've got a lot of empathy going on. Right. It's driving right. most of this. Right. But how do I, and that's a great great goal, how do I move to advocacy right. if, if I'm just, you know, everyday person here in the Midwest and, mm -hmm. and raise my family, doing my job? What can I do uh, mm -hmm. from your vantage point? What would help to, to move in that direction? Uh, first of all, we, we, you know, I'm going to come from a biblical worldview. I appreciate right? that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good, good, Step good. one. Yeah. Right. Step one yeah. is, is, is first of all, allowing the Holy Spirit to regenerate every aspect of our heart. Okay. Regenerate every aspect of my heart and, and, asking him to search, is there anything remotely connected to partiality? 
in me because scripture doesn't, we don't see the word racism in scripture, but we see the word partiality, right? Which is a form of racism, right? So we, we, God, we have to ask God to search our hearts. First of all, to reveal to us if there's any partiality in us. Um, and then being able to deal with that first personally. And then when we get to that place where, okay, maybe, maybe I am a little racist. <laughs> maybe I am. Maybe I have some partiality. Allowing him to sanctify that and deal with that. But then there has to be uh, understanding the story of the the people people of color's experience uh, in in America. All right, uh, understanding it, hearing it, empathizing with it, learning. Okay, what were were some of the actions committed by those who looked like me and profess Christ? Because first of all, it, it's you know we we always say America is a Christian nation, right? We 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 yeah. it was founded on Christian principles. But if you 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 compare that to the the African American experience, can we say from what we understand Scripture to teach? Can we say honestly that from if I was to say, as an African American, can I actually say okay, yeah, America is a Christian nation. I've been a recipient of that Christianity, those Christian principles. No, only partially. And so we got to ask ourselves about that, you know, why was there a certain dichotomy in the heart of white Christian Americans as it relates to their interaction with African Americans? So first of all, there has to be that introspection. There has to be, of course, dialogue. All right. We cannot um, minimize even the microaggressions of racism that people of color experience. Oh, it can't be happening like that. Or, you know, I've heard people, it can't, it, it, there's no, I have never seen, I'm not racist. It's like, okay, you haven't seen it, you haven't experienced it, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening, okay? And so there, there has to be that listening to understand, empathizing, but then also looking at even the, the policies that are in place that historically uh, uh, affect people of color's experience. So there, there has to be, be you know, uh, moving in the direction of uh, justice as it relates to every aspect of society. Okay, these are the points that I wanted to bring up because you asked this question. And this is what is three three areas that I would like to to and say. You brought some notes and an it, outline. It, it, <laughs> I, I had to I had to bring this up because I, I would forget it, you know, or I, I would mess it up. Okay, there there are three areas of, of justice. Okay, when it comes to how can we move towards a solution? What can we do? Okay, right. if I yeah. was to say, okay, Brett, my my Caucasian brother. All right. In the Lord, first of all, first of all, we've got to know each other by the spirit before right. we, we know each other by the flesh. Right. What can you do? OK, first of all, we got to search our heart just like I have to. OK. Right. Is there any partiality in me? 
and however we whatever conclusion we come to whatever the holy spirit's showing whatever reflection we see from scripture then we deal with that then we we listen then we have to educate ourselves about america's history in its totality okay America's prolific. America has done some great things. 95 to 98% of the gospel that's, that's being proclaimed in the world has come from America. Even though America has done some prolific things, we cannot forget about the, right. the horrible things of it, okay? Because now we're, de- we're dealing with some of the, the undealt with horrible things. So it's understanding the history, it's listening to stories, all right? But then moving from empathy to advocacy, because there are policies in place that disenfranchise people of color. So I have to, uh, there has to be intervening justice. That means that, that we're dealing with uh, press needs, immediate needs of, of people in our community, okay? Regardless, okay, regardless of their color. But if we see that people of color, you know, are, are marginalized, and there is a level of oppression, then we've got to deal with the pressing needs. So there's intervening justice. And let me say something about justice. When you look at the word justice in scripture, in the Hebrew and the Greek, it's synonymous with righteousness. So we talk about the righteousness of Christ. If the righteousness of Christ is imputed upon us, then also that, that virtue of justice is right there synonymous. Okay, so I can't have righteousness without justice, and I can't have justice without righteousness. It's, it's a direct attribute of God himself. Okay, yeah. we see his first act of justice when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. What did he tell them? He says, okay, if you do this, you're going to surely die. They get, he ousts oust them out of Eden. He puts a flaming sword to block off the, the the tree of life that's the first as first god is as a exercising justice yeah so it's it's because he is supremely right okay so in the righteousness there's justice in justice there's righteousness so there's intervening justice but there's also preventive justice okay taking a proactive stance on certain choices i mean excuse certain issues all right so there's there's the intervening dealing with the press, the pressing needs at the time. And then there's the proactive, all right, the proactive just, excuse me, the preventive justice that takes a proactive stance. And then there's systemic justice that is dealing with policies. There's putting programs in place and coming against policies and laws and legislature that are historically uh, suppressing people of color. And so that's, that's what, Okay, we talk about white privilege, right? If a person is privileged, that means that you have to exercise a level of stewardship with that privilege. What are you going to do with that privilege, right? right. Is it level of stewardship? So, if you have this this level of of privilege, what what how are you going to serve that back to humanity? How are you going to use it as a tool for justice? It's not to feel guilty. And this is what I want my Caucasian brothers and sisters to understand, that whenever these things are brought up, okay, the plight of African-Americans, the plight of um, the people of color, it's not to say, okay, you know, we're going to blame you 
for the sins of your forefathers, mm. you know, and you hear that. The thing is, was bringing up the reality of the experiences and the history, but it's not for to condemn, but it should convict the conscience. Because if the conscience is convict, then you move towards a solution. But if you embrace condemnation, you put up a defense. And so even when it, we, I've been in conversations and they're, they're saying, well, what about black on black crime? That's them feeling condemned. I'm not condemning you by bringing this up, but you got to understand that your experience in America and my experience in America, are two different things, and they should be the same in as it relates as being an American citizen. Hmm. Right. Okay. And so it's not to bring, bring condemnation. No, we know that condemnation comes from the evil one. And so you hear this term about white guilt. Well, that's connected to condemnation. No, we're not condemning. We're saying be, become awakened to this. Be aware and then utilize your influence as, okay, first of all, in our circle, as a believer for, this, for the sake of moving towards legislation, policies, creating an environment that that cultivates the imago day that cultivates the fact that we are created in the image of god so if there is a law if there is a policy if there is a culture in the business in a, in a specific a specific realm uh you know whether it's politics you know education what have you if it's taken away from the imago day then that's, that's what we need to forsake. We need to forsake those policies and those laws that take away from humanity, that takes away from a person who has been creating the image of God, regardless of their ethnicity or you know the pigmentation of their skin. So what African-Americans have been screaming is we just need you to see and then use mm-hmm. <laughs> your position that we don't have to cause this thing to change the way that God wants it to do. And I'll say this and then, you know, I won't try, I'm not trying to be long with it, but it's, is when we're talking about moving towards this solution, I believe that God is allowing this thing to come back around to give America an opportunity to do it right. Right. To give to give America the opportunity to do it right. And so now we have technology where everyone has the ability to capture these moments. Right. All you had before was a person's testimony, you know, right. there. But now we actually have it on video. And so here's the thing. This may be new to white America. Oh, my goodness. This is. But we know these things have been happening yeah. in, the, in the African-American community. It's not it's not new. It's just being captured. And so the, the, the outrage comes when it's actually captured and we're like, okay, here's our opportunity. For, here's the chance for justice. Maybe this is going to be the movement that, that we're all on equal playing field. And then there's a, still injustice because there's no, no the, the litigation is, is, it, it doesn't go in the direction that it should. Right. And so it's like, okay, we, here, it's what more? So we're just saying, see it understand it but we got to move from empathy we're, we're past the place of empathy 
to advocacy now. That's the only way that we're going to make it right as citizens of the United States of America, that we're going to be great stewards over this great nation that God has, has put before us a great door to do even greater things, but the world is watching and saying, okay, how are we going to handle this? Yeah. And the distinction, uh, I love the distinction between, uh, you know, condemnation and, uh, and, and, and challenge conviction, or what do you want to yeah, call it? Conviction. Conviction. Yeah. Uh, because there is a little bit of that. It's yeah. like, huh, I, I do, I, f- I feel guilty and I don't know what to do with that guilt. Right. And then you also have we do we do a lot of global work out of our church and and uh, and it's a and it's a law of missions that you, there's always this balance between going into a place that's trying to help mm-hmm. and going into a place and taking charge. Right. And I think I see that as well. And so there's a little bit of an instinct. I want to steward mm-hmm. my privilege, mm-hmm. uh, but I also don't want to come in and tell you what to do. Right. I, right. I want to partner with you and, right. and, and walking that balance can be difficult from, from my, uh, from my seat. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, how do I, uh, not look, cause I want to, I, I love that image. I think I'll take that word with me, like mm-hmm. stewarding the privilege that I have for your sake and right. building up the Imago Day. Right. But how do I keep away from, I'm not doing it out of your inferior or anything else. Right. I'm just coming in to partner with you and mm-hmm. share resources that I don't have. You got any insight on that? Did, yeah, did it help it, us on? To me, I, to me, it's simple. It's just right. relationship. Yeah. It's relationship. I spend enough time with you, Brad. I'm going to know you, who you are, and, right. and I'm going to, to know you what your intentions are. And I think that uh, one of the things I've been telling people is, you know, there, there, there are times that people complain about, well, why are they doing this now? I'm like, well, people are trying. You know, they're trying to understand. They're speaking. Why, why weren't these? Yeah, but they're doing it now. They're trying to come up with solutions. They're trying to help. So I'm not going to sit there and nitpick every single thing. But the main thing is actually having true, genuine relationship. One of the things that I found out with the Pastors Prayer Network here in Amosville, okay, I've been praying with those guys since 2014, 2015, all right, pastors from different denominations, backgrounds, ethnicities. The thing that knitted our hearts together beyond our doctrinal differences was prayer. Mm. Yep. Prayer. And we began to really know each other after the spirit more so than after the flesh. And that solidified uh, a bond that that can't be broken, you know, because now we we really know one another. So if if something is done, we, 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 and it's questionable. Well, we know that there's something uncharacteristic, man, let's have a talk. Yeah. You know? And so I think the main thing is, is just relationship. Uh, but in that relationship, having that conversation, because it's going to take everybody. It's not going to just be one particular group leading out in this. Uh, but I do believe that white America now has to begin to steward their privilege, their steward, the privilege that they have you know, in the way that's going to come from the posture that I'm doing this because we are American citizens. And then from the church that we are citizens of heaven and we cannot repeat the sins of our mothers and our fathers. All right. We, we can't, we can't, we've got to let go of the, the faulty theology and doctrines that actually people believe that they were within their God given right or biblical right to own slaves or to think that Jim Crow era laws were, were okay, you know? And so the conversation building relationship, I think it's the, 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 it's simp- the simplest, but the most effective 
to say that if that when God gives you a solution, Brad, that I'm not saying, okay, you're you're coming from a place leading down in this because you think I'm inferior. It's because you truly want to see true, real, genuine reconciliation and harmony. Yeah. It's good stuff. You know, I, I I love, I mean, for me, just sitting here listening, um, first of all, thank you. I mean, as I'm listening and hearing you say going from empathy to advocacy is almost exactly what I feel like I needed to hear because I I can sit in empathy. I can sit there for a while. I mean, I think a lot of us almost like you thrive in that because you feel like it's emotional in that time. So I I just have a a couple questions as we close up. Mm -hmm. Um, What's, and you mentioned a few of those, but if we could kind of even drill down to even some some other steps, what are some healthy ways to do that? And and honestly, what are some unhealthy ways that you've seen people try to do that? Because I think we need to talk about those too, um, because people think that they're trying to do something good, and and you know hopefully their heart's in the right place. But sometimes those are unhealthy ways to make that move. Are there some that, some ways that you've seen that are healthy and some that aren't? Uh, I think that the the healthy way to move forward. Um, it's going to always be conversation, mm-hmm. okay? It's going to be dialogue, getting that understanding. That's the beginning because we're going into something ignorant. You know, with ignorance, we can do more damage than good. Uh, so the self-education, you know, you know, white America taking upon themselves to educate yeah. themselves about that that our history as Americans and people of color, uh, and how white America responded to those things so that the education is first of all but not coming from a place of condemnation because remember when we come from that place of condemnation we become defensive mm-hmm. and so people start in meaning good saying well all cops aren't bad okay we we know that okay we we know all cops aren't bad um but we also understand what the the experience have been <laughs> And what the statistics prove, all right? Uh, but if I'm going to use these type of arguments like, yeah, all cops are not bad, but then we have to say, well, all black men are not a threat. You Absolutely, know, yeah. it, it, so, it, it, so it's in that place of condemnation, we start having these these arguments that, that hold no weight, okay? So it's not trying to defend, we're not saying we're trying to defend the fact that you're a good person or that you're not raised. We're just saying here, see, understand, mm-hmm. advocate. So, uh, you know, uh, there are organizations out there, there are websites, uh, there's a website that, you know, I personally look at, it's called um, a Race Forward, I think it's .org, and it's just talking about how to rec- recognize systemic racism and understanding that this is a real issue, because I've even heard people say, well, s- systemic racism is not a thing. And it's like, I'm, I'm experiencing this, man, you know? So it's, it's education, first of all, relationship, and there's education, and then there's advocacy. If I was to sum it up in just three steps, now those are broad. But there are a place for people to start. And I think, right. you know, for me, even being able to sit and just listen to people and hear real experiences, because that takes away from what you were saying. People might even say, well, I don't think that exists. Right. Well, they think that because they don't have any relationship with someone that has had that experience. And mm-hmm. so for me, that's one thing that I'm like, man, I, I just want to continue getting to know people and, right. and learning stories. Um, and that's what we continue to hope to do here. Um, and again, thank you for this. I mean, for me, this is um, 
is is good uh, in general because I just want to to be able to listen. And so I thank you for well, that. I just want to commend you all for being willing to have the conversation and um, you know wanting to put feet to to the faith in this aspect and you know for having me on i mean um so you know i hope hope it was beneficial to to somebody and uh, again i'm honored to be here yeah well it was it was very beneficial and you said before we went on that you're a preacher and so you could tell a little bit of that that's good had some of those cool lines in there that i'm walking away with i'm putting my notebook i probably will use them and may not give you credit that's all right man brett was on today where do you get that stuff hey next time i'm in the cincinnati area i know where i'm going right right. that's right that's right and we do we hope you're blessed in that effort as well just uh, being willing to do that and do multi-site i guess almost in that way we have one in henderson but it's a little shorter drive so it's pretty much of a challenge going right. to Covington and back and forth. I have right. something that, you know, may put you on the spot, but I'd love to as we're talking sure. about, you know, you're a pastor and talking about praying with other pastors. Would you just close us in prayer? Would that sure. be okay? I'd love sure. that. Sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, for the opportunity to represent you. It's not ha- by happenstance that we've been born in this age, in this time, in this dispensation. We've been born with the ability to be a solution to the ills of our society and our generation. And I pray and I lift up the body of Christ and the leaders, our political leaders, leaders in our civic arena, leaders in law enforcement, that you, that you would empower us to move forward towards real solutions. But Father, I pray that you would help us to lay down any pride, any ego, any partiality that may be hidden within our hearts. For your your word declares that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it but you? And Father, we don't want to make any assumptions that we are more righteous than we we believe that we are. Mm -hmm. We need your help. We cannot do this apart from you. And I pray that the church in America will bind together collectively in a newfound, fresh unity that we've never experienced before to show the rest of the world and the rest of the, the, the citizens of America that there is a solution. We are hopeful, Father, because our hope is in you, Jesus, and our, our hope in Jesus is eternal. So we are hopeful that reconciliation will take place, that healing because of racial divides will take place. And God, even the trauma of brutality and, and, and suffering will be healed. You can only do it and make us a part of the solution and not the problem. Help us to be sensitive to one another, but father help us to, to, to truly love one another unconditionally. And let us enter into a a place in our experience and in America that we have never uh, experienced before, where there's forgiveness, where there's truth, where there's love, where there's integrity, where there's trust, where there's decency, that the rest of the world will know that we are truly, truly your sons and your daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this first episode of a new series we're trying with the podcast. And you know, honestly, we just want to continue listening and learning together. 
Um, so maybe you have a story that you could share with us, something that we could learn and listen to and, and, and learn with you. Um, or maybe you've just had some really great resources that you've been reading or watching or know some things that, that all of us could be reading or watching. We'd love for you to share those with us. You can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. And we're going to continue talking about racism uh, for the next few weeks, and we're going to be continuing bringing in guests and learning from them and just listening and doing our part there. So I know that that might be uncomfortable for some people, and honestly, maybe we need to be a little bit more uncomfortable to be able to continue having this conversation and growing together and ultimately time to do better. So thank you for joining us. We'd ask for you guys to share this out because we want to continue being one of those resources that people are looking to um, and having conversations. So uh, you can share this out on social media. You can also email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.